Greetings, fellow travelers. Today is April 20th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour podcast. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts. And I'm blessed to serve as your tour guide today, pointing out important landmarks, if I can, and significant discoveries as we make our way through the entire Bible in a year. I'm so encouraged that you are not shrinking back from this challenge to read the Scriptures daily. I trust that you're experiencing the benefit of daily exercise, intentionally bending your spiritual ear to hear God speaking into your life. We serve a faithful God who speaks to us through His written Word, the Bible, and He speaks Christ-wise. The New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 say, God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days He has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the world. So we see that God speaks most fully and definitively through the person of His Son, the living Word, the second person of the Trinity. Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. As we travel through the Scriptures, we trust that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, will apply the Word to our hearts, unfolding its implications for our daily lives. The prophet Samuel called out to the Lord, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So let's prepare our hearts to be spoken to today. We're going to be learning about God's plan for a priesthood. What does it mean to be a priest of the Lord? In the New Testament book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 6, we know that He, Jesus Christ, has made us to be a kingdom of priests. It was God's original plan that all of His redeemed people would be priests with full priestly privileges to minister unto the Lord and to the world in which we live. In the Old Testament, we read of the failure of the human priesthood. And when Jesus comes, the chief priests want to kill him, the Holy One of Israel. But Christ served as a perfect priest, a perfect representative on our behalf. And through his perfect ministry, his perfect sacrifice, and perfect devotion to the Father, all of us who have come to trust him as our Lord and Savior are joined with him by faith and have been made priests. So let's ready ourselves to be further prepared for service to the Lord and to one another as we read from the book of Joshua, our Old Testament portion, Joshua chapter 21, which deals again with the allotments given to the priests, the tribe of Levi. Joshua chapter 21, verse 1. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came to Eleazar the priest, and to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And they said to them at Shiloh, in the land of Canaan, The Lord commanded through Moses that we be given cities to dwell in, along with their pasture lands for our livestock. So by the command of the Lord, the people of Israel gave to the Levites the following cities and pasture lands out of their inheritance. The lot came out for the clans of the Kohathites, So those Levites, who were descendants of Aaron the priest, received by lot from the tribes of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin thirteen cities. And the rest of the Kohathites received by lot from the clans of the tribe of Ephraim, from the tribe of Dan, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, ten cities. The Gershonites received by lot from the clans of the tribe of Issachar, from the tribe of Asher, from the tribe of Naphtali, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh in Bashan, thirteen cities. The Merorites, according to their clans, received from the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, 
and the tribe of Zebulun, twelve cities. These cities and their pasture lands the people of Israel gave by lot to the Levites, as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Out of the tribe of the people of Judah and the tribe of the people of Simeon, they gave the following cities mentioned by name, which went to the descendants of Aaron, one of the clans of the Kohathites who belonged to the people of Levi, since the lot fell to them first. They gave them Kiriath Arba, Arba being the father of Anak, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah, along with the pasture lands around it. But the fields of the city and its villages had been given to Caleb the son of Jephunneh as his possession, and to the descendants of Aaron the priest they gave Hebron, the city of refuge for the manslayer, with its pasture lands, Libna with its pasture lands, Jater with its pasture lands, Eshtamoa with its pasture lands, Holon with its pasture lands, Debir with its pasture lands, Ain with its pasture lands, Jutta with its pasture lands, Beth Shemesh with its pasture lands, nine cities out of these two tribes, then out of the tribe of Benjamin, Gibeon with its pasture lands, Geba with its pasture lands, Anathoth with its pasture lands, and Almon with its pasture lands. Four cities. The cities of the descendants of Aaron, the priests, were in all thirteen cities with their pasture lands. As to the rest of the Kohathites belonging to the Kohathite clans of the Levites, the cities allotted to them were out of the tribe of Ephraim. To them were given Shechem, the city of refuge for the manslayer, with its pasture lands in the hill country of Ephraim, Gezer with its pasture lands, Kibzaim with its pasture lands, Beth Haron with its pasture lands, four cities, and out of the tribe of Dan, Elteki out of its pasture lands, Gibbethon with its pasture lands, Aijalon with its pasture lands, Gathramon with its pasture lands, four cities, and out of the half tribe of Manasseh, to Anak with its pasture lands, Gath Ramon with its pasture lands, two cities. The cities of the clans of the rest of the Kohathites were ten in all with their pasture lands. And to the Gershonites, one of the clans of the Levites were given out of the half tribe of Manasseh, Golan in Bashan with its pasture lands, the city of refuge for the manslayer, and Besh Terah with its pasture lands, two cities. And out of the tribe of Issachar, Kishion, with its pasture lands, Dabaroth with its pasture lands, Jarmuth with its pasture lands, and Ganim with its pasture lands, four cities, and out of the tribe of Asher, Mishal with its pasture lands, Abdon with its pasture lands, Helkath with its pasture lands, and Rehob with its pasture lands, four cities, and out of the tribe of Naphtali, Kadesh in Galilee with its pasture lands, the city of refuge for the manslayer, Hamath Dor with its pasture lands, and Kartan with its pasture lands, three cities. The cities of the several clans of the Gershonites were in all thirteen cities with their pasture lands. And to the rest of the Levites, the Merorite clans were given out of the tribe of Zebulun, Jocneum with its pasture lands, Karta with its pasture lands, Dimna with its pasture lands, Nahalal with its pasture lands, four cities. And out of the tribe of Reuben, Bezer with its pasture lands, Jahaz with its pasture lands, Kedemoth with its pasture lands, Mephaath with its pasture lands, four cities. And out of the tribe of Gad, Ramoth and Gilead with its pasture lands, the city of refuge for the manslayer. 
Mahanaim with its pasture lands, Heshbon with its pasture lands, Jazer with its pasture lands, four cities in all. As for the cities of the several Merarite clans, that is, the remainder of the clans of the Levites, those allotted to them were in all twelve cities. The cities of the Levites in the midst of the possession of the people of Israel were in all forty-eight cities with their pasture lands. These cities each had its pasture lands around it. So it was with all these cities. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Chapter 22 The Eastern Tribes Return Home At that time Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You have kept all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I have commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days down to this day, but have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he promised them. Therefore, turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, and to walk in all His ways, and to keep His commandments, and to cling to Him, and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Now to the one half of the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan, but to the other half, Joshua had given a possession beside their brothers in the land west of the Jordan. And when Joshua sent them away to their homes and blessed them, he said to them, Go back to your tents with much wealth and with very much livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and with much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brothers. So the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned home, parting from the people of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the land of Gilead, their own land, of which they had possessed themselves by command of the Lord through Moses. The Eastern Tribes' Altar of Witness And when they came to the region of Jordan, that is in the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of imposing size. And the people of Israel heard it and said, Behold, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built the altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region about the Jordan, on the side that belongs to the people of Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, the whole assembly of the people of Israel gathered at Shiloh to make war against them. Then the people of Israel sent to the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and with him ten chiefs, one from each of the tribal families of Israel, every one of them the head of a family among the clans of Israel. 
And they came to the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, in the land of Gilead, and they said to them, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What is this breach of faith that you have committed against the God of Israel in turning away this day from following the Lord by building yourselves an altar this day in rebellion against the Lord? Have we not had enough of the sin of Peor, from which even yet we have not cleansed ourselves, and for which there came a plague upon the congregation of the Lord, that you too must turn away this day from following the Lord? And if you too rebel against the Lord today, then tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. But now, if the land of your possession is unclean, pass over into the Lord's land, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take for yourselves a possession among us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, or make us as rebels by building for yourselves an altar other than the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, break faith in the matter of devoted things, and wrath fell upon all the congregation of Israel? And he did not perish alone for his iniquity. And this is the end of our reading from today's passage in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua. We have learned that the Lord is the portion for the Levites, the priests, and that they were given cities and pasture lands throughout Israel. First, let's take a moment to review God's original plan that all of His redeemed people would become priests who would minister before Him and to each other as His representatives. The Lord spelled this out in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5-7. through Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. When obedience to his covenant was compromised, the privilege of the priesthood was restricted to the tribe of Levi with further privileges of service in the tabernacle restricted to Aaron, the high priest, and his sons. So we go from a universal priesthood to a tribal priesthood, and from there to only one line in the tribe, that is, the line of Aaron and his sons. The perfect priestly work of Jesus Christ restores all believers to the original privileges of divine priesthood. 1 Peter 2.9 reads, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We find this wonderful dedication in the Apostle John's revelation. To Him who loves us, and released us from our sins by His blood, and has made us to be a kingdom, priests to His God and Father. To Him be the glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. The priests of the Old Testament, the tribe of Levi, would be responsible for the nation's worship life and their education in the word of the Lord. The priests attended to the maintenance of the tabernacle, its sacrificial system, and the application of the law. They also provided music, sounded the trumpets, and called people to purposeful assembly when necessary. They had priestly privileges from which kings were excluded. Numbers chapter 8, verses 5 to 26. In Joshua 18, the tabernacle, which had been carried from place to place in the 38 years of wandering in the wilderness, is set up at Shiloh. Joshua chapter 18, verse 1. Once the land had been claimed, 
every tribe was allotted their portion of property upon which to settle. According to the law of God given to Moses, the Lord himself would be the inheritance of the Levite, and the priest would be assigned a place to live among the twelve tribes, being given possession of forty-eight cities spread throughout the land. Numbers chapter 35 and Joshua chapter 21. The provision of the priesthood in accessible cities is a great reminder of the value of the local church as an accessible ministry center for corporate worship and service. We are all priests before the Lord and have the privilege of gathering together with those believers in our region to minister to the Lord and to each other. Are you laying hold of your privilege to regularly gather together to minister to the Lord and your brothers and sisters in an accessible locality? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 reads, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. As a royal priesthood, we are spread throughout the land. Our homes become places of both Godward and outward ministry to our neighborhoods. We read in Joshua chapter 20 about the cities of refuge. We have encountered God's provision of cities of refuge four times previously as we have been reading through the Bible. In Exodus chapter 21, verses 13 to 14. In Numbers chapter 35, verses 11 to 32. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 41 to 43. And in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 2 to 13. These proposed cities now become a reality in Joshua chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. These cities provided a safe place for those being pursued by blood avengers, those seeking revenge for the death of a loved one who was accidentally killed, in other words, by involuntary manslaughter. The city of refuge was designated as a visible and accessible place for the accused to flee to. They would be safely housed and given a trial by the community. If they were found to be innocent, they could dwell there in safety and would remain there as long as the high priest lived. Then, when the high priest died, they would be free to go back to their homestead. The names of the cities are given in Joshua chapter 20, verses 7 through 9. They speak of what it means to be hid with Christ in God, our refuge. On the west side of the Jordan, there was Kadesh, meaning sanctuary. We are hidden in His righteousness, and we find sanctuary in Him. Shechem means shoulder, the place of burden. The high priest carried the names of the twelve tribes on his shoulders when entering the holiest of all. The good shepherd rescues the lost sheep and carries him home on his shoulders. And in Christ we have a great high priest and a good shepherd. Next we have the city of Hebron, meaning fellowship, a joint participation in the life and the activity of the Godhead. God is faithful who has called us to the fellowship of His Son. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. On the east side of the Jordan, there is the city of Bezer, meaning fortress, a place well defended against the enemy. And in Christ we discover what a mighty fortress is our God, and we are equipped to stand in His victory, clothed in His armor. The second city on the east side was Ramoth, meaning exaltation. Yeshua, our salvation, was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, and has been exalted to the right hand of the Father, and positions there with Himself those who flee to Him by faith. And the final city, the third city on the east side, is Golan, 
The origin of the word is more uncertain, but is thought by some to mean joy or captive. We recognize that to be captivated by His presence is to experience the fullness of joy. The believer's victory and security, through being identified with Christ, is highlighted in Joshua chapter 21. We can rest in the sufficiency of being found in Him. And the Lord gave them rest on every side according to all that He had sworn to their fathers, and no one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. Joshua chapter 21, verses 44 to 45. Next we read about the misunderstanding at Gilead. Once the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh fulfilled their promise of joining with their brothers in possessing the land on the west side of the Jordan, they settled in the land they thought more suitable to their needs on the east side of the Jordan. When they got there, they started to build an altar on the east side of the Jordan at Gilead. On the west side, those who lived in Canaan thought they were setting up an alternative center and form of worship, perhaps even starting a new religion. It appeared that they were breaking their covenant with Yahweh, and in doing so would be bringing down judgment upon the entire nation. Joshua chapter 22, verse 11. Phineas, who was a proven defender of fidelity in worship when Israel turned to Baal worship at Peor, in Numbers chapter 25, verse 3, goes with ten representatives from the west side tribes to visit the two and a half east side transjordanic tribes to make a full inquiry prescribed by the law found in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 12 through 18. The charge based upon their suspicion was serious. Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What is this unfaithful act which you have committed against the God of Israel, turning away from following the Lord this day by building yourselves an altar to rebel against the Lord this day? Joshua chapter 22, verse 16. It was so serious that the sons of Israel gathered at Shiloh to prepare for a war against the two and a half tribes. In Joshua 22, verse 12, the civil war was averted because of the faithful investigation of the facts. What an important lesson this is. We should be very careful not to rush to judgment without having the facts. This is prejudice, prejudging a person or situation without all of the facts. The careful examination discerned the motives of the two and a half tribes in building the altar. They were not rebelling against the God of Israel or His expressed will of having one center of worship, the place of His own choosing. Still, they wanted future generations to remember that although they had settled on the east side of the Jordan, they were one with their brothers on the west side. Then the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and spoke to the heads of all the families of Israel. And this is their account. Therefore we said, Let us build an altar, not for burnt offering or for sacrifice. Rather it shall be a witness between us and you and between our generations after us, that we are to perform the service of the Lord before Him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings, that your sons may not say to our sons in times to come, You have no portion in the Lord. Therefore we said, It shall also come about if they say this to us or to our generations in times to come, then we shall say, See the copy of the altar of the Lord which our fathers made, not for burnt offering or for sacrifice, rather it is a witness between us and you. In verse 31 of Joshua 22, And Phinehas the son of Eleazar, 
The priest said to the sons of Reuben, and to the sons of Gad, and to the sons of Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is in our midst, because you have not committed this unfaithful act against our Lord. Now you have delivered the sons of Israel from the hand of the Lord. Children of Israel were rightfully concerned for their brothers, who appeared to be in a sin of rebellion. They knew that the disobedience of one could bring great consequences upon the many. They recalled the sin of Achan, who deliberately violated the command of God, stealing and hiding the garments and silver and gold he coveted in Jericho. That secret sin caused judgment to fall upon the rest of the camp. In Joshua chapter 7, in the New Testament book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 1, the Apostle Paul gives us this instruction. Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Let us take this counsel to heart and seek to promote restoration in a godly manner when we perceive our brothers as having fallen into sin. And now let's go to our New Testament reading, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 20, verses 1 through 26. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 20, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, Tell us by what authority do you do these things, or who is it that gave you this authority? He answered them, I also will ask you a question. Now tell me. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third, this one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. So they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. 
Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he said. But marveling at his answer, they became silent. This is the end of our New Testament reading from the Gospel of Luke. As we have observed in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, Jesus is being examined by the elders and the chief priests at the temple at the same time just as the Passover lambs are being examined by priests to see if they can find any defect in them. The chief priests and the scribes confront Jesus seeking to determine who authorized his ministry. Jesus answers their question with a question to reveal the question behind their question. In Luke 20, verse 3, And he answered and said to them, I shall also ask you a question, and you tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? Jesus was making it clear that their concern was not whether God authorized his ministry, but that it was not authorized by them. They had already demonstrated that they were not aligned with the ministry of John the Baptist, yet the people recognized John as being a genuine prophet authorized by God. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. And they answered that they did not know where it came from. Luke 20, verses 5-7 through Rather than falling into their trap, Jesus exposes their hypocrisy. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus illustrates the nature of the apostate leaders of Israel with the parable of the evil vineyard workers resembling the religious leaders who slay all the messengers resembling the prophets sent by the owner of the vineyard who represents Yahweh. They reject these servants of the owner and wound them. Then the owner sends his beloved son, obviously representing Jesus, on a mission to bring back fruit to the owner. Instead, the vineyard workers kill him. The consequences of their rejection of the Son will be a heavy judgment. Luke 20, verse 18, Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. Apparently, the chief priests and scribes understood that this parable was about them. Rather than repent, their hearts were hardened. They continued to plot how they might catch Jesus and deliver him to the Roman authorities for execution. In order to do this, they needed to bring evidence that he was guilty of insurrection against Roman authority and was instructing people not to pay their taxes. Luke 23, verse 2. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Luke 20, verse 22. The answer of Jesus is profound. He gives us a strategy for how we live in this world while still showing proper respect for delegated authority. He calls for a denarius. Notice it is not Jesus who produces it, but his accusers. He asks the question, whose portrait and inscription is on it? The denarii had the portrait and inscription of Caesar, quote, son of the divine Augustus, end quote, and, quote, greatest priest, end quote, and, quote, son of God, end quote, on the back of it. Caesar's, they replied. Jesus then said to them, 
Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. God's stamp is on everything He has made. God's image is perfectly reflected in Christ. We were made in the image of God, and although His likeness has been effaced and distorted through sin, Caesar can have his coins, but we belong to God and need to surrender ourselves fully to Him. Jesus again responds to the priest's question by giving an answer that proves their guilt in failing to recognize the image of God in Jesus the Messiah, the true Son of God, and pay Him tribute. Now let's go to our reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 89. We'll be reading this psalm over the next three days, and reading Psalm 89 today is Robert Meck. Here is part one. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord a maskil of Ethan the Ezraite. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord, a God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him? O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass, You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon joyously praise your name. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand. High your right hand. Thank you, Robert. Psalm 89 is an important psalm in relationship to the covenant that God made with King David. As we read through the Bible, we will learn that God made a promise to establish the throne of David and that this kingdom would last forever. This would be through the work of the promised Messiah, the son of David. It will become increasingly clear as we read through the Bible that the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, is in view. Yet in respect to David himself, this covenant is a covenant of mercy, and we will be singing of the mercies of the Lord as we study this. You have heard it said that grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. When the house of David divided and the united kingdom was torn into two, the psalmist sings of the ongoing manifestation of God's superlative loving kindness. The Hebrew word for mercy is hesed. It is used seven times in this psalm. In the first four verses, the psalmist sings of the mercy of God's covenant commitment to the house of David. In the second group of four verses, verses five through eight, the heavens give praise. In the next five verses, verses 9 through 13, the seas, the earth, and all it contains of wonders such as its majestic mountains are a testimony to the work of his hands, mountains such as Hermon and Tabor. In verse 8, the psalmist praises God for his faithfulness. This word also is found seven times in Psalm 89, and it refers to the steadfastness of God's character. In the midst of all of our unfaithfulness, He abides faithful. Tomorrow we will come to part two of this reading and learn more about the splendor of God's faithfulness and mercy as revealed in the Davidic covenant, the covenant that God made with his servant David. 
So may we sing of the mercies of the Lord this day and join with the praise of the psalmist in verse 1 through 4, the praise from the heavens in verses 5 through 8, and the praise from the earth in verses 9 through 13. The Lord shows His mercy and faithfulness in so many ways, and here especially in His covenant promise to establish the Son of David on His throne. Now let's read today's proverb, Proverbs 13, verses 15 through 16. Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool flaunts his folly. Let's pray. Father, you are faithful in having called us into fellowship with your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our refuge, our sanctuary, our fortress, our joy, and our salvation. How blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in him. We take delight in the merciful inheritance we have received, secured by his obedience to the death of the cross. We sing of your faithfulness and your grace. We appeal to you for fresh wisdom to act according to the knowledge you give us through your infallible word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us on our Bible reading journey. If this podcast is a blessing to you, or if you have any questions or comments, you can always contact us by email. Our email address is podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a free written copy of each day's commentary on the one-year Bible readings of the day with charts, illustrations, and maps, you can subscribe by going to our website, newlife.org. And there you can also learn about New Life's ministries, download free growth tools, such as how to know God personally. And don't forget to subscribe or follow this one-year Bible tour guide wherever you get your podcasts. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom.